Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am the father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, Episode 582, The Blues Brothers 2000, which was appropriately released in 1998. It's the first of many missteps. Does does anyone, is there a story behind that to why they decided to call it that? I don't know. Like, I think... um, I mean, you were seeing a lot of things with 2000 starting to get slapped on them, but I honestly have no idea why in 1998 they called it Blues Brothers 2000. Like, it's like... I get it if it's a futuristic thing. Sure, totally. Especially if it's released in 2000, but for Blues Brothers to call it that, I I just feel like there had to be a story, or I I would like to know the thought process at least. I think, from what I can gather, it sounds like the execs mucked around with this film a lot, and so Mm. they, they, you know, they they wanted a sequel, but they didn't want a sequel, and they were trying, I, I, my guess is because the first one, we talked about this a little bit at the end of the last episode, was with the exception of, of, of some F-bombs, was, I mean, fairly family-friendly, you know? Yeah. And that yeah. they, were, they were trying to make this appeal to a younger demographic, which mm-hmm. is, you know, which I think is why you get the addition of the Cousin Oliver of the Blues Brothers franchise. Oh, my franchise. gosh. Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> yeah. And, um, he really is Scrappy-Doo, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I I think that you know, and I th- the goal originally was for that to be Macaulay Culkin, so I guess it could oh. have been worse. Macaulay Culkin in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. I know. I know that's. I just feel. I feel like he'd be way older. Would have been twenty or something. Yeah, that's. Who, I mean, yeah. also, I don't know how long this was in production for, but I know that it. You know, they like they, Macaulay Culkin, like. Dancing in Michael Jackson music video age, yes, but like, right. th- yeah, that would have been way later. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just That's just weird. my my reading tells me that like that they that they originally wanted Macaulay Culkin for this. No, you know? totally, I hear you. Yeah, yeah he but yeah, been eighteen. He'd have been eighteen. Came out, totally. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> but funny. um, no, no, thank you. But I guess let's uh, before we get uh, too far into that, let's go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick shameless plugs. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us while you're there. Be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, If you want to leave a review, that would be nice as well. You can also find us on the internet at Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and of course, check out our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Real real spoilers where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content and uh and you help us out and we like you extra so uh blues brothers 2000 so if you just want to go back and listen to our other episode (laughs) i I would like to sum up this movie i have a perfect story that sums this up okay so i watched both these movies on stars so before you get into this one if you've never seen it if you would like to go watch them and you have the stars subscription or you can do the 30-day free how do you like how do you like that subscription two stars stars 
Uh, yeah. I paid like $3 for three months, so I guess it's okay. Okay. I mean, okay. It, it, I just know, what's their selection like? I've, got, been, I've mean, been toying with it. Well, I mean, it's like I would have had to pay for these if I didn't have it. So, I mean, there's a pretty decent amount of movies on there. So, um, okay. you know, and they've got their their uh, original TV shows. But anyway, uh, jump on that trial or whatever if you want to watch them. So here's the deal. They've got Blues Brothers and Blues Brothers 2000 to watch as a part of the Stars catalog. I watched the first Blues Brothers movie, and it rolled into high anxiety. <laughs> it's like, if you liked this movie, you'll like high anxiety. The, I'm like, because I, I, I like the only connection it. I can make between those two movies is that the piano player from the Blues Brothers is also in that movie. I mean, yeah, there could be a small um, connection, but I, I just thought like, you know, it's supposed to be like all these services, Netflix and all that is like, you know, if you like this, here's a relative thing to roll into. And so I get up to go get a drink or something. And I whatever, and I go back in, and I'm like, "Why is Mel Brooks is Mel Brooks in Blues Brothers 2000?" <laughs> like it was so strange. One can only hope. I know. And then I back out of it because I didn't realize what I was watching, and I back out of it, and it's like on the continue watching or recently or whatever. It's like Blues Brothers, and then High Anxiety next to it. So I just think that perfectly sums it up that they have Blues Brothers 2000, and they don't even suggest you to roll into it from Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah. like, That's pretty no, no, funny. no. We'll 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 take care of you. Yeah. Oh. They don't want to damage the brand anymore. Right. It's just, this is, I, I don't, I get it. I feel like that you could do the adventures of the Blues Brothers, right? Like that makes, that, that tracks in a form or another. But you, you well, need first the of all, Blues this movie, Brothers. This movie's called, is Blues Brother. Right. <laughs> it, yeah. And you, you need them together for this to work. You, and if they're, that's like the deal is it's a, it's a play on words. Their last name is blues. Like, yeah. So you, they're literally blues brothers and you have one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I think, that's... you know, and them, you know, kind of touching on when, so it's a, it's a, basically this movie opens the exact same way the first one opens. Uh, I, I will say, if, out of everything in this movie, this opening scene is the only thing they got right. Yeah, I agree. I loved the fact that they redid it. He's sitting there waiting for his brother to pick him up, and he never shows up. And I thought it was a great callback that Frank Oz is now the warden. Yeah, I yes. thought that that was that a, was that was a brilliant play. Like that, I appreciated. I'm like, okay, one we're, of the we're off to the races. One of the the I think the guard that walks him across is the same too. His screen credit yeah. is literally same guard. Um, but, which like is and, and that is the biggest laugh you will get out of this movie. Um, yep. But uh, but like this this opening scene though, as much as I is I I honestly like I love this opening scene because I had never seen this movie until yesterday. Neither had I. And so I was like this when this movie starts. I was just like, well, I've heard this movie's bad, and I'm like, boy, they're. I mean, this is like this opening scene. I mean, it's a weird way to start a comedy because it's also very touching. Just the image it's of a, it's a gut, of like, it's a they, gut punch. They walk out Elwood, and, you, and then they realize that Elwood doesn't know that Jake has died. And then Elwood is waiting to get picked up in the same way that that he picked up Jake when he got out. And like, and then Jake obviously doesn't show up, and he just stands there like like a faithful dog. Yeah, and he's just yep. you know like basically my brother will not forget me. I just have to stand here and wait. He will for sure come for me. And it's like, it's just such a gut. But it's as good as that scene is, it's also like, this is supposed to be a musical comedy. It's a little bit of an odd way to start your film. 
Well, and the thing that really threw me off too, so I knew nothing about this going into it. I presumed John Goodman was playing Jake. Like I just, you know, from the poster, from right. like oh, my understanding just, was that flip him out. Right. I mean, they just yeah. cast him and it's not like an in bad taste thing. I mean, right. John Belushi died, obviously. And uh, so they get another great actor to play the same character, like because I in my head, not having even seen Blues Brothers until this podcast, I was like, how are you going to do a Blues Brothers movie without the Blues Brothers? That would be silly, wouldn't it? So <laughs> like I, I so yes. I landed in a similar place having not seen it like I, I didn't think that they would be uh, and have enough, you know, be in poor taste enough to just pretend like they could recast the role but i just assumed that they'd be like oh this is your long lost brother or this is a cousin and sure. and he would fill the same he would fill the same slot without actually yeah. literally playing the same character but um which they kind of do but don't do it yeah it's right? really like the 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 cop is that that exact what you exactly what you just described right but that, that doesn't Miles happen Dyson? until the very end yes Okay, because I'm yes. like, wow, Miles Dyson's in this movie. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> they. Uh, yeah. But you're right, Tom. Like that, you're absolutely right. It's like, okay, we we obviously can't have Belushi, so we'll just say that, uh, you know, John Goodman is is his other brother, you know, or but they don't do that. They get right. the bartender it's, from. It's weird. Club. It's like they they recast three people to to play. Yeah. To yeah. play him, right? Because because you end yeah. up with. You end up with John Goodman. You end up with with uh, with the long lost brother Cab, and then you and then you end up with the kid Buster. The kid, and and so uh, like it's it's just it's a very odd choice, and and you really the more you watch the film and the more I think about it, the more I'm like that kid really was had to have been forced on them because they just do not know what to do with having this kid oh here. they put a kid in it so that kids could watch this movie and go oh i can be a part of the blues brothers now yeah and yeah, absolutely and that anybody was a token really, like, kids it's, <laughs> it's not like spider-man we're like oh i could anybody behind the mask like nobody wants to be a blues brother <laughs> who's a kid <laughs> right know? well, like, well that's i think that was our age would do. but i think that was the goal though right is that, that they, was to pull kids into oh this sure movie. totally yeah. totally yeah. yeah the other mistake they make with this kid i think is that they don't cast a musical prodigy like if they were going to yeah if they were gonna pull a kid in and i know this predates school of rock but they should have school of rocked it like they like there's so here's where's kenny wayne shepherd well there's johnny lang in this day they're the same guy um <laughs> right well, oh right yeah but right. i guess johnny that's, lang's so in that's, the movie. that's the blonde that's the blonde kid right yeah the janitor okay. and the phone sex Scene, I was yeah. like, I was like, who the hell is that? Yeah. So the, I think, I think the kid that is blonde, who's like the surfer kid. I think, I, I yeah. mean, that's I Johnny that Lang, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Yeah, I oh, always it it's Johnny Lang, but I, but in in your defense, I always get Johnny Lang and Kenny Wayne <laughs> Shepherd mixed up, but it is Johnny <laughs> Lang. I looked it up. But who okay. the hell is Johnny Lang? He was a he was like a blues a, guitarist, like kid. a kid prodigy, like he. But see. Yeah, but that to what I was saying last episode and why I said it's more so in this one, they kept hitting you over the head with cameos where I don't know yeah. any of these people. And so it was frustrating that they would keep being like, oh, you know, the lowly janitor. Look at this guy. Like, because I'm like, who the hell is this person? I felt like this movie yeah, was called Blues Brothers they, Cameo. 
the ones that I recognized was Travis Tritt, where I was like, I, I don't he was know, a country I mean, western guy. Yeah. He, I mean, he's a country western guy. I wouldn't recognize uh, him, though, you know? B.B. Like, King. I, mean, I know the name. B.B. King, Aretha Franklin. Sure. Uh, they bring back Matt, th- basically the entire cast of the last movie, with the exception of the guys that are dead. They bring everybody. They don't bring back. They don't bring back Ray Charles. Oh, I guess they don't bring back Ray Charles. That's true. And they don't know why. I've wondered. I've, I, that, that was a weird one. Yeah. But then they also yeah. cast about seven hundred other blues musicians in this. Yeah. Movie. Yes, that is also. Correct. And it's like I don't know who any like like I know. I figured it out because I'm like, is that Eric Clapton? Like a young Eric Clapton because it's from almost twenty years ago or well, middle age. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so so I'm like. I know Eric Clapton, and I thought that was him, but that was really one of the only people I recognized. But it, but yeah, and it's like Isaac Hayes. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I know who Isaac Hayes is. But there were so many of those type of cameos in the movie to where if you were, I guess, a blues guy, it would really be cool. But to me, not even liking blues that much and the musical numbers being boring to me, then they kept focusing on all these people, like wink, wink, look who we got. And the whole thing was just like, oh, God, it's just not enjoyable well i will say in their defense johnny lang was having a moment when this movie was made like so he you if you were into rock music or or blues based music you would have probably been aware of who johnny lang was at this point sure you know because because he's probably 17 in this movie yeah i would say that's about right yeah so actually younger than macaulay culkin would have been (laughs) and he probably Uh, would have made a better choice as a blues brother because then he could have actually at least performed with the band that's what i'm saying instead of pretending to perform with the band yeah right and doing dance numbers that were atrocious yes (laughs) uh yeah so like we said it opens up in the same way except this time he's picked up by uh a stripper and she kind of brings him. I think she brings him back to the the drummer from the first movie. I think uh, has established himself as a, a strip club owner, and this is where Elwood kind of uh, starts to kind of get back into the groove of things with the with the loss of his brother, and he's getting back behind the microphone. And um, there's really like where the first one had a plot, a very subtle. Well, not subtle, but very. Uh, paper thin plot I don't know why he wants to I mean besides like putting the band back together because it, in memory of his brother why is he putting the band back together yeah there was always like they we, like why are we doing all this yeah what's the reason I, I you know it, I was struggling with that too I was like did I miss <laughs> it like what's really the driving motive I felt the same way yeah but they never give a reason as to why they put the band back together. I, well, they I go know. back. They go back to the nun, and she hits him with the metal rod this time, or whatever. I mean, does it have something to do with? But that was that? more like she's like, "Oh, you have he a was, brother," and then also like, "You should take care of this kid." Like that seems like a good idea for a guy that just got out of prison. Um, yeah. But because uh, we all know the Catholic Church would take way better care of young boys than that, um, <laughs> right? Uh, but but um, but yeah, like it's it, and then it's like oh, at some point they they I forget when, but they stumble onto this like oh, there's this battle of the bands thing where you have to go beat this 
ghost band or something. I it's yeah, but it's like <laughs> why? Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. It, it was I this movie, and, and again, it's way more so to me. Like felt like music videos. Like like I could go watch. I could get an Eric Clapton DVD live in concert and watch him do song after yeah. song. Like I feel like this movie was built to sell records or something. I would have rather watched Eric Clapton. Well, of course, yeah, Eric Clapton. <laughs> and, I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan DVDs live in concert. Those are awesome. Yeah, when, of course you would. When but you're I, when you. You know your movie is in trouble. You should take it as a sign when you are unable to get Jim Belushi to agree to be in your movie. You ain't lying, you know. And and they want because they, they wanted it to be Jim Belushi. And even though That's I'm not, what I was a, wondering. I'm not a huge Jim Belushi fan, but uh, I mean, but like I, I at least there's like a a biological connection that makes it feel a little less sleazy. Um, yeah, even like though I Paul love Walker's brothers filling in for him. And, <laughs> yeah, uh... totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he was attached to like an ABC television show. Not what about Jim? But uh, but that he couldn't get out of. So I because I, th- I think he wanted to do it. And he still he tours as the Blues Brothers, him and Dan Aykroyd. I actually saw them a few years ago. My wife danced with them on stage. Um, oh, but uh, but but it's not the Blues Brothers band. What you get is. Jim Belushi has a band called the Sacred Hearts Band, and basically, for an extra probably twenty grand, you can throw Dan Aykroyd into the mix, and they'll call it the Blues Brothers. But uh, but hmm. you're not actually getting, and a lot of that original Blues Brothers band has passed on now. But you're not, and then there because there was a touring band that was called the Blues Brothers Band that would go out, and then that was like the core musicians, Matt Murphy and stuff like that. But hmm. but. Gotcha. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, like when, you know, like I I feel like maybe this is a total, this is not maybe, this would be a totally different movie if they could have got Jim Belushi. Like they, they, they should have waited. They waited 18 well, years. They should have. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like if you can wait 18 years and he's doing a television show, so he can't right. do it. That sounds like a pretty poor excuse because you could have waited or done it earlier. Like there was plenty of time. Don't yeah, act like. Because then you. you you don't got to do the kid thing. You don't got to do this weird, right. you know, this this weird brother thing that John Cooper plays. Like you don't, you don't have to do any of that stuff, and you can just be like you had a long lost brother and just roll with it. You know, yeah. And that's, I think that along with what we talked about before, where there just is this, it's too polished, and it just seems like there's no point to this movie. There's no dirt like to this movie. That's the there's... thing. I mean, you went from a gritty 80s Chicago yeah. movie to a 2000s movie and it just yeah, yeah. It lost the the appeal of that that dirty gritty city type of, uh, you know, cityscape. Right. And the blues scene. This is like they I mean they're like it the movie starts off pretty much in the beginning like they go to a Mercedes dealership. Mm-hmm. That's how clean it is you know it's just to me so to me that's the biggest misstep of this entire movie is along with many but the biggest one is they set up uh like this cadillac right that dan Aykroyd sold for a microphone so he goes to this junkyard and i was like oh he's gonna get the cadillac back that would have been cool you know like you know but no he just gets another crappy police car and but it's, it's like not why? though that that the police car he gets is not only better but it's like it's it seems to have way more equipment, like it's equipped better than the original. That's true, <laughs> but I guess I just feel like that's a missed opportunity to call back to the. I agree. To, if you would have, what a touching thing that would have been! Another one of those moments in a better movie 
100 yeah. percent. yeah there's no reason they need to get another cop car like i said they should yeah. have just gotten that the cop car they picked for the original movie um was uh pretty hard to find and so that's why they switched to this different make and model well i'm saying why not go back and get the cadillac oh i see oh that would have been a nice touch like Wouldn't but i been, yeah. but i but i think the the problem there becomes that cop car in the first one became so iconic yeah that yeah that especially with the speaker attached to it which is maybe the only callback from the first movie we don't get um right but uh but i just think that like the ideas of the blues brothers in something that wasn't uh, old beat up cop car, you know. Yeah. You know. Plus, they want to check as many boxes from the first movie. I mean, we talked about how we kind of felt like Butch and Sundance, the early years uh, or days, I can't remember which it was, uh, <laughs> kind of invented <laughs> times. invented fan service. I mean, this movie, yeah. like, is, I mean, almost every scene in this movie is some kind of fan service. I, I mean, this entire movie feels like the pre-roll to a ride at a theme park. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> like, there is no, there's no, like, where the first one had, like, this heart and this soul behind it, this is, this feels like the most corporate, this feels like the music industry. Well, this is, yeah. that's what I'm saying. This entire movie feels like it was meant to sold records, and it's just music number to music number. The first one, even if the story was paper thin, there was enough story and enough heart and enough of the brother's story to make it interesting. And this movie is just like musical number to musical. How can we string these musical numbers together? The and- first one was blues music that you find buried in a vinyl shop. Yeah. And yeah. this one yep. is blues music that you buy at an airport gift shop. Hey, can yep. we say that this movie is the blues traveler of of a movie? I also don't mind blues traveler. I'm not a big blues traveler guy. They've got like I think, uh, two songs that I like, but But that's the thing. It's like that's isn't that the pop bubblegum type of blues music compared to like yeah, the w- blues the classic, you know, BB King, the blues musicians yeah. focused on the first movie? Yeah, I think that there was that run it around this like 97 98 where there was like that pop version of blues so it was like Hootie the Blowfish and Blues Traveler and uh yeah, those yeah. those bands and of course, you know, John Popper he he lost all that weight and then they were just like, "No, we don't like you guys anymore." <laughs> but uh so uh let's get the Russian mobsters involved. Sure, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> so the the Russian mob is shaking down the old drummer uh, at the at the at the strip joint, and um, Ackroyd takes it upon himself to like deal with it. He gets the bartender, who's John Goodman, who's John Goodman, and they put on a show, and they realize, you know, because uh, that... every bartender that works at a club that's being shaken down by Russian mobsters loves to interfere uh, by uh, taking their clothes off and tying them up in an alley. Because yeah, you know, right, that's right, a pretty right. smart thing to do. <laughs> and here's how you know this movie isn't working, like. Are you really going to tell me that that the first movie didn't have ridiculous plot points like that? Like it absolutely <laughs> did. But like but you were on board. There was just something about it that from the get-go you it created a world and you were you were like I'm on board. And sure. this one like every decision you're just like we're doing what now because you know? it's bad it's yeah. such a bad written movie and it's weird because it's still Ackroyd and Landis it's but so weird to think that this is the same creative team like I don't I, get yeah. it yeah it's, it's just a really bad this movie. this <laughs> is this this is kind of where Landis has fallen off the rails he probably had Max write it oh shut up 
<laughs> the, he, man, that this is kid, probably his high about, school film project that he, he yeah. turned in. <laughs> would you say that this is like the Monster Squad of the John Landis film? No, I would not. Yeah, that's no, a great not. assessment, Tom. No, I think you nailed not a great it. That's a perfect. No. Why, we need to stop recording. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> so Max Landis is the epitome of a guy who woke up on third base and thought he had a triple. Right. Yeah, sure. Uh, so like 1988 is kind of where Landis starts to 88 is coming to America. Uh, and then 91 is Oscar, which I think is, I enjoy Oscar, but I get it. You're the um, one. I'm the one. <laughs> Beverly Hills cop three is in 94. And that's awful. So that's kind of where I, I did. You ever, I never saw innocent blood. I don't remember ever seeing that. I don't even, I never I don't saw know if it, I've no. heard of it. I don't know. So 1994 is where he starts to hit the skids. Uh, 96 is the stupids 98 is blues brothers 2000 uh and then he goes and does a bunch of tv stuff and then he does um more lots of tv stuff and then burke and hair in 2010 and that's it yeah that's the end of uh the landis stuff uh he hasn't directed anything yeah. since 2012 so like i get that the dude was i think that there's something about his comedic stylings that work in the late 70s early 80s that no longer work. That could be like, possible. He's not, he's not evolving. I also think he's 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 not evolving. He's not doing anything original. He's he, you know what I mean. Like he's I feel like he's not using those creative juices or those comedic juices, and it's not everything. It just cut, feels kind of the same. Burke and Hare should have worked. Like that. It's it was uh, who's the Simon guy Pegg. that does all the mocap. Uh, uh, Andy Simon Pe- it, and Andy Circus and Simon Serkis, Pegg. Yeah. Simon Pegg as like the two these two dudes who just robbed graves and tried to sell the body. It's a real story. Like tried to sell rob graves. They ended up killing people to get more. It, but it should have worked in the John Landis world. But it just doesn't work anymore. Like I don't know what happened. But uh, I mean, he killed Vic Morrow. I guess that's what happened. And those I think oh. I think some it's it's interesting because sometimes when you're trying to like revive a property like this. Sometimes it's very important to get the creative team back, and sometimes it's very important to find younger filmmakers that understood the original create what made the original creation work. Because I think yeah. I think sometimes those younger filmmakers that grew up on it understand the property in ways that the people who created it didn't. They just went in and did what they did and didn't think about it, and. Not that they didn't think about it, but they didn't think about it in that in this deconstructed. You know what I mean? In the same way. Well, and, but they also were younger and they were making it for different reasons back right. then. So, like Landis yeah. has become a huge Hollywood director, and he's making all these big, you know, a, these you know with these big stars, and it's like he's lost. He's I mean, a little bit out of touch when you think about he made Animal House and Blues Brothers. And, you know, he's doing this as a young guy that has that wants to put his mark on film. And, right. uh, you know, I think I think there's something lost when you go back. And you're like, yeah, let's reboot this 18 years later. And but you're not the same director. Right. As when you made that yeah. 18 years ago. Well, I think he, he the problem is he is the same director. <laughs> he hasn't grown as a director. He hasn't grown up. Right. Yeah. Like that's. But if he was the same director, I feel like he made it maybe would have made he would have been able to write a movie that that felt 
similarly, but I feel like he kind of became a director for hire. You know, he's making these comedies. I agree. And he's churning I them out. I agree with you. And he, and he forgot what it was like to make a p- passion project, you know, or, you know, if you, you know, I want to make Animal House and make it be this hilarious, amazing movie. And I want to make Blues Brothers and these two crazy brothers that go on this mission from God. And, you know, like, I feel like he forgot what it was like to have that fire lit and make this Although, amazing movie. I, I will say that, like, Aykroyd and Landis both almost walked off this film because of the changes the studio was making to it. Like they, so I That's don't know. I, I like, they yeah. came real close and it, it actually gets references like later deep into the movie. There's a scene where they're on the side of the road and, and, and Elwood gives the speech about, uh, you know, you know, we can't stop now. Like here's, you know, here are all the people who didn't, you know, didn't quit. And he, and he, right, right. and then he says like Robert K. Weiss and they're all like, and the two of them are like, who that? Who the hell's that? <laughs> and then the, and the movie doesn't address it. That's so. I mean, that's supposedly the the executive that talked them into not walking off and quitting the film. Uh, and so that's slick. So I mean, you know, I I don't. And in, in, as much as I don't like this movie, in fairness to Landis, I don't know that we could say it's not a passion project. I feel like like they had to hustle to get this thing made this the original one had a budget of like 24 million dollars this one 18 years later had a budget of 28 million dollars and and that and that 28 million dollars counts the fact that Aykroyd and Goodman both were working for scale just so they could get this movie made so you know and 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 they yeah so I mean I, like that that doesn't you know i i get that it doesn't feel like you're seeing the passion on screen and that's largely because you're not but um uh but i i don't know that it's because they don't have passion for it you know okay yeah fair enough i yeah. also i don't know i guess i'm you know as i'm as we're talking about this i'm thinking of like clerks to clerks too yeah you know like there there's a there's a degree of I, I used it last time. There's a degree of like punk rock with Clerks, mm-hmm. uh, where Clerks Two feels like it's it is those ki- you know because it's all the same creator. It's all Kevin Smith. There is this uh, feeling of growing up and becoming a different filmmaker, right? And I so I feel like that is kind of you know like we said it, it, it's there's a story here that could be that to be told of like an older an older um, blues brother who's back on his own you know like yeah. there's a story there totally but but maybe you're right maybe they they were trying to tell that story and um they must have just they, been trying they, to sell they, records though they this movie had to have or like, maybe they weren't or maybe the studio was that's what i'm saying they but I, don't, the studio. I don't i get what you're saying but at the same time like this this isn't the kind of music that was burning up the charts in 1998 you know what i mean so it's like i i don't really know that that they thought that they were going to sell a bu- I'm not saying they didn't think they were going to sell any records, but like, the, the- but why even make this movie? Why? Why in 1998 do you make a sequel to Blues Brothers without one of the like? I'm just trying to wrap my head around why yeah. this got made. That's all. <laughs> I think. I mean, I think it's you know, a- I think Aykroyd wanted to be relevant. I think he wanted to have a hit. I mean, you know, it, it yeah. was just a. F- it was just what about you know three or four years before this that he. Pulled the cone, the cone heads out of mothballs and tried to resurrect that. It, so it's weird that you. So that works for me. 
like 1994 Coneheads is a thing that like that's that was a big movie for my generation. Like uh, you might have saw World. it a lot, but it was not a big movie. That movie was a was a box office disaster. I so okay. I did not I did not see it in theaters, but it was definitely like a cable uh, VHS rental, like that was played a lot, like at you know parties or whatever. That was a that was a big movie uh, for us. Yeah, I as, mean, you know, it when, only made twenty million dollars domestic, twenty one yeah, million dollars. So yeah, I. I definitely remember watching a lot of it. I will also say that it follows the comedian the comedian version model of Blues Brothers 2000 and that um you know it and that it's it stars Dan Eckert and Jane Curtin obviously is 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 mm-hmm. Beldar and Primat but you also and the older sister from uh, um, 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 the uh Dazed and confused. Oh yeah, yeah, because that and because that was originally um, Lorraine Newman, but they but she's not playing the. I mean, she'd have been you know forty five, so that would have made it rough. Sure. But, um, <laughs> but from a comedic standpoint, like it does the same thing with comedians that Blues Brothers two thousand does with blues musicians. I mean, in this mm. movie, you get Ma- oh, sure. you get Michael McKeon, you get David Spade, Chris Farley, Sinbad, Michael Rogers, Eddie Griffin, Phil Hartman, Adam Sandler, Jason Alexander. Dave Thomas, Lorraine Newman, Garrett Morris, Drew Carey, Kevin Nealon, Jan Hooks, Parker Posey, Joey Lauren Adams, Julia Sweeney, Ellen DeGeneres, Tim Meadows, uh, John Lovitz. I mean, you so know, basically everyone who was on SNL at that time. Yeah, and Tom Arnold. So I mean, you. I mean, they, well, they can't all be winners. Yeah, it's it. So it's. I mean, it's really it's following the same, the same template. Yeah, it just. I don't know. I guess I feel like that one. It was that and Wayne's World and like so there was like all of the, the that SNL run was coming back when I was uh, at that age. But yeah. This one like I remember I remember I remember when this came out uh, and it was just like I have no interest in this whatsoever. Like even even as much as I love Blues Blues Brothers back then, right? I had no interest in seeing something without Belushi. Totally. Know? Yeah. So they're getting the band back together. This is another callback to the scene with Matt Murphy where uh, they go to. Uh, a Mercedes dealership, and it turns out that Aretha Franklin accepted, you know, brought Matt back. She had so got... much business at the cafe with no employees, <laughs> she was able to buy a Mercedes dealership. Yes, correct. Uh, so this is where they get res- this is where they do respect. Um, and finally, you know, he, he acquiesces to Aretha Franklin, and she he looks like a you know a scolded dog, and she's like, you know what? Forget it. If you're just going to act like that, go ahead and go. And he was like, all right, all right. And he takes off. And, of course, the buddy from the first movie, she's like, yeah, you can go, too. And he immediately snatches up his trombone and they take off. Uh, And that's, I mean, it is the exact same plot. Beat for They're running from the Russians instead of from the Nazis. Right. They're running from the... So... um, But they they even are kind of running from Nazis because it's like that Confederate-loving military militias after them. Yeah, we get get the Daryl Hammond... uh, Yeah, Confederate guys. Hey, it's it's Daryl Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) So, just real quick, just uh, I put together a list of all the repeat gags that are are recycled. So, we have... The nun hitting him for cussing. 
Yep. We have Aretha and, and Matt Guitar Murphy fighting about whether or not he should go join the bands. We have the cops chasing them. The Nazis are swapped out for militia members. Just the whole getting the band back together. Uh, instead of dropping a car, they drop a boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- uh, they're forced to, you know, to perform uh, a country song in order to keep an angry audience happy. The church service musical scene. I mean, it's just shot for shot, oh. practically. Of, yeah, you know, yep. uh, and then it and then it even ends with the same gag of of the preacher converting someone, like it, you know, mm-hmm. in the same way that that Jake was converted and came up with the idea to get to get the band back together. They convert. Don't forget that they uh, they totally copied the plot point of the hundred and thirty year old voodoo witch. Was that, I, that no? Was what the hell movie. was that? Oh yeah, no, I totally. And then <laughs> so, also when they when they go to perform in front of the crowd, the the crowd like it completely like crosses their arms, unimpressed with with them as an act. Yeah, they yeah, like, yeah they no sell it and, the whole time. Yeah, and then it, it and then it ends with this giant musical number in front of an uh, of a crowd that's predisposed to not like them. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's you know, and and then in the in the ultimate. Uh, irony that um the or- i thought you were gonna say ultimate cut and i was like i'm not watching this no. again tom <laughs> the original story pitch had elwood and mighty mac and jim belushi as brother z uh raising money to refurbish the old orphanage but the studio turned it down because they said it was too close to the original story oh pfft. that's ridiculous right this, this movie is like this is i gotta like, tell you that that plot works better than the one that we got if yeah. you're if you're it does because like if, if you're gonna make it this much of a retread then just own it you yeah. know but this kind of harkens back yeah. we've talked about this in the past about how some of the sequels you would get before the advent of home video would be just right. kind of retreads of the original because you couldn't go see the original easily in the True. way that this you can airplane today. too. Right. And and where this one is like it's nineteen ninety eight. I mean VHS <laughs> has been DVDs, brother. I mean, yeah, I mean VHS has been around for you know, f- you know, has been a stalwart for, you know, fifteen years and we're and we're moving transitioning into DVDs and and like there's no problem. You can see Blues Brothers whenever you want. And well, uh, and remember, I mean, even even worse, like that made no sense is after this hangover Two did the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's way past the advent of DVDs. And it's like, why would a movie drudge up the exact same thing? I mean, just because it worked the first time, you know, that was the hangover is a weird franchise because. You're right. Two does do the exact same thing, but then three does something completely different. I, yeah. I never saw three. I was so turned I off do by recommend two. Three's I not bad. Three. It, it's three is. I like three a lot. If three I, I had been hated two, I couldn't you, believe how. And you were right too. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but if three was two, it it, it like it would. We're, it's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. I just like they burned yeah, me. I, they, they made me go see the same movie. It was so unoriginal, like the same exact jokes. I'm like, why would I pay you any money to see three? You know? Yeah. Well, giving well, the way we have can do streaming. I'm sure you can find three for free somewhere, and I do yeah. recommend it. Like that's it's. But it's, it's just one good. of those movies that like I don't want to. Kind of like how you didn't want to watch this. I'm like, oh, I have no interest. <laughs> but someday, guess I'll what, Kevin? Someday. Next week, Hangover one, two, and three. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and like you know it. It's just, it was hard to watch because the musical number, there's no, the thing about blues 
music is there is a degree of soul soul and, to it yes yeah there there's this is there's commercial passion and emotion and this just, like i mean when bb king gets up there i feel like bb king gets a pass because that dude is i mean the king of blues yeah so like that gets a pass for me because it's like okay it's bb king that's fine i can i can appreciate that uh, I but thought the guy else... at the uh, at the the phone sex line. I thought he. I mean, I thought that number. He did a pretty good job. Isn't that a guy from the first movie? Am I wrong? I don't. Yes, think so. you were wrong. Oh, yeah. I thought it was. No, that is. Uh, um, that number was performed by uh, Eddie Floyd and Wilson Pickett. Okay. Again, but like I, I've let. I mean, I thought like that was okay. Like I at least thought it was something a little bit different, and it had that kind of double entendre to it. Like I, I thought that was you know okay, but most of the numbers didn't feel very clever or original, and they felt like they were just music videos. And that's why I started, yeah. I started to get so bored during the second one when it went from musical yeah. to number to musical number that I started doing the ten second skip because I'm like just you know I didn't want to totally. Like go three minutes forward because I'm like, is there any plot point? I don't want to skip that, but <laughs> I don't want to sit here and watch a music video. I'm just like, skip, skip. Okay, nope, no. Okay, end of the song. Good. We're and I, I know you're not a fan of the music, but like, as someone who's not a fan of the music, I mean, could you feel the difference in the in the in the passion for the music between the two movies? Yeah, because I didn't skip anything in the first movie. Yeah, like in the first, you know, movie, like, in the first movie, it's like. The, the music is and it's not like these aren't good musicians, but it just right. it it's like it's reveling too much, especially that that last 20 minutes. Oh, my God. When it's just like say, everybody takes a line. Hour, and I yeah. thought that I I, th- I thought we had stopped time that yeah. that last song when they try to get 50 different people to sing the same song yeah i just God. i could they were horrible like there were yeah. a couple of them that sounded okay yeah. a lot of them sounded like out of tune and off key like it was it was crazy that they tried to like okay now you sing a part now you yeah. sing a part now you like oh my god and those was- are all like that's a murderer's row of talent like here yeah. like it's so it's like like here's the people in that scene you get jeff yeah. skunk Bas- baxter who's from the doobie brothers uh he's also an astrophysicist uh oh. you get gary Your u.s current. bonds eric clapton clarence clemens the saxophone player from the east street band bo mm-hmm. diddley Isaac Hayes, Dr. John, B.B. King. B.B. Uh, um, King was also the guy who owned the uh, junkyard at the beginning. Yeah, he was the junkyard. Yeah. yeah. The junkyard. Uh, um, Billy Preston, who's oftentimes called the fifth Beatle. Lou Rawls, uh, Paul Schaefer, Travis Tritt. Paul Schaefer was horrible in this movie. <laughs> Paul, Sha- Paul Schaefer is horrible in everything. Yeah. He's the worst. Uh, I can't stand Paul Schaefer. Travis Tritt. Jimmy Vaughn yeah. uh, from Fabulous Thunderbirds, Birds, Stevie Ray Vaughn's brother, uh, Grover Washington Jr., and Steve Winwood. I mean, there's some other names that are lesser known, but are probably, if you're a music nerd, yeah. you know them. But, but those are the names that but the like, average I knew, know. I knew those were people. Even though I don't right. listen to all their music, I knew they were people. And yeah. the fact that that song was so terrible, I was cr- it was cringeworthy. Like, the only... The only memorable thing that comes out of this movie is it's the reason Paul Schaefer is bald. It's the reason? <laughs> this is He shaved his head for this movie, and he never went back. He left You're his head me. shaved for the rest of his career. Yeah. Oh my, my. My, my dad had like an unnatural hatred for Paul Schaefer because <laughs> when, he was, when he was in the, uh, the SNL band, mm-hmm. he, it, 
would drive him crazy because he hated Paul Schaefer and he hated the guy who came after Paul Schaefer because he felt like they were, it was about them. Yeah. Like they were trying to be part of the show. (laughs) <laughs> and he like every time they'd come, he's like, "Oh, you could hear." I could hear him grumble. Well, what, like, did he, the, what did he think about Letterman? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he never he he watched Leno because you know oh, he's an old guy. Oh, he's gross. an old guy. Yeah. That's so yeah. gross. But Paul, I mean, Paul Schaefer yeah. ends up as a, I mean, he's a cast member for like one season on yeah. SNL. Like he, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. but like when they were still trying to keep it alive, and uh, oh. before they officially like rebooted it, and Lauren Michaels left. I think it was like that nineteen. 19- 79 80 season Paul Schaefer ends up a cast member Harry Shearer ends up a cast member before coming back in uh, the oh, Billy Crystal sure, cast sure, sure. um but uh but yeah because in all those uh Bill Murray lounge singer sketches like it's, yeah, it's uh Paul, Paul Schaefer. Schaefer's on piano on all that stuff Paul wow. Schaefer also uh wrote it's raining men so in case you're curious. right well Paul Schaefer really? maybe yeah. needs to maybe he needs to stick to the piano because him trying <laughs> to act in a movie like this yeah he was atrocious. he was pretty bad yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they the band is back together. They go and they they we should say that he is Elwood was told by the nun that he has a that uh, Cab Calloway had a son. And that's why he was at the orphanage is he felt so bad about leaving this this boy behind that he tried to raise all these different kids. So, of course, Elwood, who like has this weird childlike reaction that he has another, you know, he's like, oh, so I have a brother. And the nun's like, no, no, leave him alone. Like he wanted, you know, he doesn't know anything any better. So he goes, you know, of course, El Elway. No, that's not right. Uh, Dan Aykroyd goes to see the guy, and he turned out to be like a lieutenant or a corporal in this police department. And that's how the police get involved: is he steals his wallet, takes the five hundred bucks, gets the cop car, but gives the wallet back. And now the cop had like. For whatever, so when like the cops are chasing name, him, the whole down just for like, no reason, just but just like the same reason the first one, like when the cops are chasing them, this is the same thing. It's because he stole the wallet. Now the cops are after him. I mean, it's the same plot beat, except for the the wallet thing. Yeah, I guess, but like, I at least in the first one, they're like, oh, you you ran away from being arrested. Like in this one, they're just like he took five hundred bucks, but then gave the wallet back. So it's like, but so now we're leading a a, a nationwide manhunt because uh, for five hundred bucks for five hundred yeah. bucks is, like, is this cop like misdemeanor? Like it, it's it's uh, f- well, it used to be five hundred and over was a felony. I don't know what it is now. Oh, he should have left uh, a penny. I know, yeah, <laughs> right? Uh, but like, I don't understand. So he runs his name. He runs both both of the blues brothers names and it's like you yeah he's been in jail so all of those all of those things that you want to arrest them for he hasn't done you can't right they, no they, he's you not had doing your that. chance he's just it's it's just to show him like the type of character he is he's, yeah he's looking up like oh their history i took it as like he's like you got all these warrants no he's like, no no no, no, he, no. He he, okay he, it was just to show how crazy they were like they, yeah he's it. trying to understand who is this guy trying to say hey you're my brother uh like uh yeah i don't really want anything to do with you, <laughs> you right know? right so uh they go they end up making it to uh they have to do like a battle of the bands and so they get to the to the voodoo priestess. Yeah, the like, weirdest. Like okay. this is where. Yeah, I know the first movie's crazy with phone booths exploding and flamethrowers and rockets. It had a certain sensibility, like the tone, whatever. It totally worked with the movie. And this one, there's an actual 
voodoo witch who like disappears reappears turns them into old greg like what the hell is going on yeah it's yeah it i i read a review of this movie from the nathan rabin at the av club and he was like their knowledge of louisiana seems to be derived entirely from scooby-doo episodes yeah it was crazy <laughs> like i could not believe that they they went to this weird voodoo lounge and did like i don't know it seemed like a very strange out of place plot point for even for these movies where they do some fantastical things i I think i think it's what it is is they needed a plot device in order to give us this all-star band like that i I really yeah that's the only thing i can a regular battle of the bands but i mean even a regular battle of the band for there to be like a 30 piece band on stage with all these (laughs) with eric clapton and bb king and like you know i mean like it's just it like it it just does it doesn't make any sense. I mean, but, I know the movie already doesn't make any right, sense, but right. but uh, but I just think that they wanted a plot device. For the movie didn't make any sense. So they had to add a one hundred and thirty year old voodoo <laughs> witch to make it make sense. And they also, zombies. They also wanted to give Erica Badu something to do. Yeah, yeah, right, oh, right. It just it was so bad. This whole part is is horrendous. This is the worst. This is the worst. It really this is, is. The like worst the other part st- of the, whole movie. the other numbers, as boring as they may have been, some of them were okay, and yeah, and some of them actually sounded like talented. Like the singers, at least you know can sing. And okay, fine. But when you get to this whole last act, it's just uh, yeah, atrocious. It's real bad. Yeah, yeah. So he, they, she says you have to sing this certain like I don't remember what it was like a certain type style of music. And he was like, nope, we can do all these other different kinds, but we're not doing it. We don't know how to do that one. And then she turns them into zombies. Uh, yeah. And then they can do it. <laughs> and then they're stuck like that until the actual show. I, I, for one, was offended by the use of green face. Totally. <laughs> well, did, have you guys seen that sketch, that old Greg? No. You don't know old Greg? Oh no. my gosh! I some of the listeners will have seen it, but there is this. It was from some kind of sketch show, not like not one of the ones. Is it not the whitest kids you know? I don't, I can't remember which sketch it's from, but one of those sketch shows that's not one of the main ones did it, or it may have been like a Canadian or a different country or something. But uh, it's this kind of thing that went viral. This character, Old Greg, who lives in a swamp, and if you've ever heard someone say like, uh, "Have you ever drank Bailey's from a shoe?" or "Do you love me?" or "Curly Jefferson," there's all these like these phrases that come out of this sketch i'll have to send you guys the link it's really weird but he's this swamp creature named old greg and he is painted green and that's what they it reminded me of once you see the sketch you'll, you'll understand the, it the mighty boosh yes yes i've never heard they, of it. do they say it's that? probably like an australian no, sketch yeah. show or something it's a but yeah either way they become zombies and <laughs> somehow like they stay why zombies until why why i don't know they were all going to stick around for this competition. Why did they make it a plot point for her to freeze them into stone? And then they go on and she unfreezes them other than to like make Dan Aykroyd continue his sentence from before she turned them. Like, I don't understand the point of that. Did that make sense to nope. anyone? No, no, nope. no. It's funny because nope. they're frozen. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. they unfreeze them before the big show. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. never did anything. I, it never no, it didn't anything. stop them. It didn't change them. It literally like they weren't leaving and they had to freeze them like for some reason either it got cut or whatever, but like there was a plot point where they're like, "Oh my gosh, they're frozen." But it doesn't make a difference. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah, so, it, was, exact, it was it was just the ending it, of the first movie. It was just to make them film this Caribbean number 
funky Nassau, yeah. which oh, is God. is easily Man. the worst number in the film. In a, in I, a, in, without, in a film with bad question. musical numbers, this is the worst one. And it's clearly the most offensive, and I can't even tell you for all the reasons why, but I just know it's offensive. Right, because of the green <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just <laughs> offensive. Um, so, yeah. So, so there's 50 musicians so, yeah, that sing so, one again, song terribly, and then... Yes, and then uh, they they win, but then they have to get out of there. Nobody so, wins. Everyone loses that watched this movie. That's no, that's true. Sure. You're not wrong. You're <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, so... You've got the Catholic Church after them. You've got the we talked about Daryl Hammond and the oh yeah uh, uh, he died Confederate soldiers he died yeah he got blown up he, right you're right a, yeah that's true yeah a he got boat blown up. full of explosives that they were gonna go do some terrorist act or something they're gonna blow up banks landed on him and and he's dead like he comes out yeah. unscathed they should have put him in a full body cast or something if they want to do a joke but I guess but like, I guess the joke that's a callback to the first movie right where. Carrie Fisher is constantly yeah I mean Blues Brothers we, but they always get away yeah yeah but that was that's, but, what, I, that's but, what I took it as okay maybe but it's a bad callback because at least they have like oh, soot on their faces right. and they're like they look like a little disheveled I'm just saying that Daryl Hammond showed up looking in pristine condition like he did in that first scene without being blown up like totes like there was no joke totes about it he was just there because they're like oh we've got Daryl Hammond let's bring him back Right. <laughs> and is, is Daryl Hammond on SNL at this point? Yes. In 1998. Yeah. Yeah. So that's okay. why he's in. Yeah, there. I guess that's true. I guess I guess Clinton's president, so that makes sense. Yeah, and he was on there for like okay. 20 years or something. I mean, he was on there for a long he's time. On there, he's on there now. He's the announcer. They don't use him on screen uh-huh. anymore. No, he can't. Didn't he? Well, that's he, not. He shows up, up for he, he shows yeah. up as Clinton every once in a while. Oh, every once in a while. But they haven't used him for a while. They haven't used him for a while. Yeah. So so he kidnaps a kid. He he abducts a kid. He's he already has an amber alert oh, yeah. out for him. And uh the happy yep. ending is he kidnaps this kid. Yeah, that's that's the end of this movie. Is uh yeah. he and this kid who who is mimicking him the entire time. Uh and I don't know if he was like being a being a douchebag and mimicking him or if they were supposed to say like no, he's just like you. I thought yeah, there was going to be a plot point where it was really his kid. That was a, okay. That's how you that's how you get that. him out of the whole abduction kidnapping thing. Is it's like you are his only blood relative. Do you want to adopt him since you're the next of kin? Like that would have actually made. I thought that's well, how it's they, his kid. He doesn't have to adopt him. But well, He's, like legally, he, like if <laughs> like legally take over custody. If he doesn't. Oh, oh, yeah. I see, I see. So that's the only way I thought he was going to get out of the whole kidnapping thing because he kidnaps him. Like you can't just. I'm not saying the kid went against his will, but he's a kid. You can't just do that yeah right? you you can't just um, find no. a kid and take them yeah and so yeah. talk about not knowing how to end a movie this is a terrible <laughs> ending with them driving away and it just ends like yeah i picture landis being like yeah credits there's no resolution there's no getting out of the kidnapping thing there's no like even i didn't even think it was a sweet moment he like just looks at him and he's like yeah we're we're kidnapping you now and then that's it blues <laughs> <laughs> well, three. Oh, it's it's horrible it like it was a, yeah it was, yeah no, this when we when we talk about misbegotten sequels, yes, I feel like for the most part we've gotten every sequel we've done has been fine. Oh, you don't remember? Well, dream we a little dream, dream. dream too. Oh, we didn't do <laughs> two. Yeah, we, we didn't, didn't do actually do one. Yeah, <laughs> but like uh, you know, uh, Butch and Sundance and uh, two thousand was it two thousand ten? Like all of those heart beeps too. They were uh, they were so- yeah, well, <laughs> Gremlins too. 
No, I've Batman Returns. I've liked all the sequels uh, that we've. This is the first time where I was like, "Yeah, this shouldn't have been made." Yeah, this was. This should not have happened. (laughs) Yeah, this is horrendous. Yeah, the weird thing is that you talked like Tom. You brought up so many stories about how the first one was a nightmare and ended up being such an iconic movie, right? And like. (laughs) <laughs> this movie didn't have as many of those type of things. Like I, I know that uh, there was studio interference, but it didn't have as many of those nightmare situations. Right. And it still ended up being a complete mess. <laughs> yeah. It is funny how a movie can, can be a hot, hot mess as from a production standpoint and still get saved in the editing verse. And yeah, it's, it, it is interesting the way that works out that sometimes it ends up working to that movie's advantage for there to be onset strife and uh, other times it does most times it does not but well and you but, said that they crashed one, they, they crashed 104 cars in this movie correct they crashed a hundred. Oh, that ending sequence ridiculous that is the only like, that is another one of the reasons why it feels so cheap and crappy is because in the first movie you at least felt like it was like there was something real about it where it's like there's all these cop cars and it's ridiculous right. but it's organic the way that they're chasing them they keep doing all this destruction and this movie it felt like they were like yeah we got to crash 104 random cars so let's get to it especially yeah. cuz yeah. like the first one had like some really great car driving stunt scenes and this has you know just basically kind of that one scene where they crash a bunch of cars just because oh yeah we got to do that thing yeah it's just destruction derby like it was just like a pile up which i forgot to add to my list of repeat gags you know right but um (laughs) but uh, it wasn't considered a gag because it's terrible right yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah and then they throw one more car on the pile just to beat it and then that that record stood until uh G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, they destroyed 112 cars. So, uh, mm, I don't, that at least no longer, they've seen that movie. They no longer have the record. I've never seen one of those G.I. Joe movies. Well, I know what we're doing next week. I saw one of them. There's only two. Yeah, I've never seen I, them. I think I only saw the second one, the one where they had, they had to force Channing Tatum to be in it. Well, yeah, they, yes, they, yes. Don't they, they had kill to him in the first two seconds? Yeah, they had the to figure out a way to bring his character yep. back, and then yeah. and then he didn't even want to do it. But he was such a big name by then that they kind they had him under a contract so they could make him come back. Yeah, <laughs> and they had the and they had the Rock. Yeah, the Rock. Other, the Rock's in the second one. Yeah. Other than that, or, or and Bruce Willis because he's GI Joe. He's GI Joe. That's right. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, yeah, Blues Brothers two thousand. What is, a what a mess. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's. Uh, you don't want to watch that movie. <laughs> I don't even think they sell this in the House of Blues gift shop. It's that bad. Like they. <laughs> you know, there was. I was looking on. I was looking on Vudu, and I was like, "Hmm, I can buy it for fifteen or rent it for four. Rent decisions, it for four. Decisions. No, there wasn't. Get this. Get this thing off of my." Uh, don't yeah. don't tell anybody that I rented this. Oh, I wish you would have just gotten the free stars trial or the one month for a dollar or whatever. I'm sad that you had to pay four you know, bucks for yeah. this. That's, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh. yeah. I um yeah. uh yeah. It goes on sale from time to time, and even when it's dropped down to like five bucks, I'm just like I have no desire. And so I no. was kind of bummed that I'm like I'm gonna pay almost as much to rent it as I could have bought it when it was on sale. But at the but, same time, but at the same time, I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, I, for everything I've read about this movie, I feel pretty confident that I'm never going to want to watch it again, and I made the right call. 
Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah, me too. Hey, could you imagine having to look at this in your voodoo library? Yeah. No, no, I'd be, pe- <laughs> right? I'd, be I'd be angry every time can, I looked at can it. Can you remove a movie from your that you've purchased from your library? <laughs> <laughs> Call it voodoo. You're like, yeah, no, I don't want my money back. Can you please delete this from my account? <laughs> yeah, you can keep the <laughs> yes. money. Like I, yeah, yeah. but uh, no, thank you. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so uh, that's uh, that's the Blues Brothers 2000. You are welcome. So I uh, I guess so we should uh, uh, talk about what we're going to do next week as we tackle misbegotten sequels. Um, Police Academy one through eight. Yeah. One oh, through- <laughs> God. We got to call Spath. <laughs> um, so uh, next week we will tackle uh, Joe. I think you'll like this one. Oh, OK. We're gonna do Rosemary's Baby, and oh, you're right. And it's made. There is a sequel to that movie, and it's made for TV <laughs> sequel. Nothing, nothing, nothing says quality like a made for TV sequel. We will do <laughs> the made for TV sequel. Look what happened to Rosemary's Baby, which also stars Ruth what McGordon or what's her name McGovern. Mag- no, the the little old Clanahan. lady. That- the creepy oh, old lady. It's yeah, Ruth yeah, something. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm blanking Ruth on her name. <laughs> she was she was also in Harold Maud. But uh Ruth Gordon. There we go, Ruth Gordon. It's got a legit tie to the first one. Like it's it's not like sometimes they make those made for TV sequels and there's just no there's there's no connective tissue. Sure. But uh but this one she's like the rage carry two. Yes, exactly. Where this one there is. Like uh, when Tom told me, like he asked me just like so we could tease it today. He's like, what do you want to do next? He's like, Rosemary's Baby. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like there's a sequel to <laughs> Rosemary. Like I told Tom, I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. And I already know it's bad. You've never seen Rosemary's Baby? No, 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 no. Oh, no. oh, oh. I'm saying I've never seen or heard of a sequel, and I know it's bad because Rosemary's Baby should not have a sequel. <laughs> like, no, that's not. just a movie no. that, like, no, just no. <laughs> yeah, we we've told our story. I've not seen it either, so we are going into this sight unseen. Like, I have oh. no idea. I I bought the I picked it up on DVD a while back, and I so I I have it, but I have not seen it yet. So. Uh, we will see what we're in for. So anyway, that's what people have to look forward to. Until then, let's go around the virtual table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at JoyButts, B-U-T-T-S 21. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Are you watching these movies along with us or do you not feel the need? I'm just curious what people's uh, thought process is as we go back and tackle these old movies if they're oh my god i i hope if we're watching blues brothers 2000 someone's appreciating or listening to these episodes <laughs> <laughs> well i mean I, th- I think they're listening but i'm just right. curious if it's if, if they go and like do you just like as a listener do you just dive in and just be like i don't need to see blues brothers 2000 i'll just listen to the conversation or do you watch the movie just to kind of get your own take and then listen i'd be interested to know so um so you can chime over there your best place to do that is in the uh, Facebook group, the League of Showshares. So uh, you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content and you help us out and we're greatly appreciative. So anyway, that's it for this one. Uh, Coming up next time, Rosemary's Baby. Until then, Ronnie takes Connie to the prom. Caribbean is a type of music, I regret to say, which has not been, is simply not, nor will ever be a part of this band's repertoire.
Nassau's gone. Nassau's gone. 